This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, thank you so much. Seriously, the numbers are through the roof. People are listening. You guys are obviously sharing this with your friends and family. And so we are teaching people about technocratic transhumanism. We're teaching them about what is really going on behind the scenes in this country and around the world. And so the fact that we are getting this message out there really excites me it motivates me to continue to do these deep dive investigations into the tenets of technocratic transhumanism and so everything we're doing here is worth it folks seriously this stuff is the engineering of humanity out of existence and the more people that know about this the more that we can push back at least in our own individual respective lives we can withdraw from the system as much as possible we've learned to just say no to certain smart technologies and like myself with my wife how we moved out of the traditional hospital system and we we took a midwifery on and a doula for the birth of our coming child you can walk the walk you can live one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix and so it's amazing and thank you to everybody who's gone over to apple Podcasts, left a five-star review and a comment thank you to everyone who has jumped over to wisdom.app slash dustin gold show slash ask and ask the question the link is available in the description of this podcast you can do that anonymously without having to download the app and so since you've been using it we're going to work that into the show probably next week so you can ask me a question in text format and i'll respond with a 60 second answer and then soon we're going to start doing live discussions over at wisdom also you can join the discussion at uh, telegram it's t dot me slash dustin gold show and there's a group the gold pillars and then also the people who've joined over at twitter at the dustin gold show or at hackable animal and of course everyone who has joined pain.tv slash gold where you're getting access to the ad-free video version of the dustin gold standard and the thomas Payne podcast and also joining a community of like-minded folks where they're talking about farming and gardening and canning and following all the technology and all the scams and all the schemes that are going on in this country trying to 
to stay ahead of the curve, trying to better plan for the future so that you can make decisions on how much you are willing to put up with this prison planet matrix technocracy and so that you can educate your children and your grandchildren. So thank you very much to everyone. We left off the last episode 54 talking about MKUltra, talking about Operation Paperclip, reviewing a podcast interview with journalist Stephen Kinzer, who is known as the foremost expert on MKUltra, which was the program uh, that we built out of the Nazis in which uh, Sidney Gottlieb, this chemist for the cia pretty much under the supervision of the cia director at the time alan dulles who was allowed to literally torture and murder people uh, as they used lsd and other psychedelics to mind bend to mind break to mind control unwitting people both in this country the united states and in secret prison torture chambers that Gottlieb was allowed to set up Uh, under the direction of the CIA. And then we tie that into some of the programs that are going on today under DARPA, the Brain Initiative, uh, under the Army, the Cyborg Soldier 2050 Project. And we've analyzed many podcasts and lectures by various doctors, Dr. Charles Morgan III, Dr. Peter Emanuel, Dr. Diane DeUlius, and we're working our way over to Dr. James Giordano, as you know. And so what we're going to do on episode 56 is we're going to get back into the MKUltra project. We're going to finish up analyzing the podcast by Stephen Kinzer, and I'm going to show you all of the new psychedelic projects that we're launching in this country that are backed by the United States government. We are right back to MKUltra, which supposedly ended somewhere between the early 60s and early 70s, although I make the case that it never actually ended. It has to do with all of this mind control stuff that we're doing to this day, including Elon Musk Neuralink Project, which is really just a project uh, of the government, and he's really the front man but what we decided to do today for tonight's episode 55 sunday night monday morning is i was able to get a guest an old buddy of mine old colleague magdalene rose i met her many years ago through maria albanese the co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays And Magdalene is a wealth of knowledge. She is a young conservative. She has her hands in a lot of different projects, in a lot of different areas of politics. And I'll just briefly give you her bio. Uh, She is currently a college junior pursuing a degree in interdisciplinary studies and theology at a Catholic university here in the U.S. She first became involved in American politics in early 2018, and she will get into that. She is the host of the Magdalene Rose Report on the McFiles Network. And if you want to check her out or follow her, you can. I put all of the links in the podcast description. 
Uh, on her show, she interviews politicians, education experts, and activists to cover American politics, the American education system, societal issues, and political strategy. She is also currently the director for social media for Republicans for National Renewal. She's a live streamer. She's passionate about ending abortion. And she is the author of the pro-life children's book, I Can Hear You, the story of a not-yet-born human being. Her main areas of focus and interest are political strategy and education, and her goal is to find solutions to strengthen, improve, and overhaul the American education system. And you would say to yourself, Dustin, why the hell are you interviewing Magdalene Rose when you claim to be post-political, post-politics. And the reason why, folks, is that Magdalene is young. She's 22 years old. She got into this stuff when she was in her teens, and she will explain why. And so she has her ear to the ground, folks. She is on the street level. She is also very aware of all of the grifters and the grifter networks within the MAGA movement, within the so-called conservative movement and so as i started to realize that we need to figure out how to get this information that i've been presenting the research that i have been delivering to you the dissecting and analyzing and connecting the dots of all of the technocratic transhumanist projects that are going on in the united states and around the world we have to reach the younger people because I keep talking to you uh, about the fact that we need to educate our children and grandchildren. I need to figure out how to package this content in a way that younger people may grasp onto it to get them to reject some of this smart technology to get them to step outside the box that klaus schwab yuval noah harari and the world economic forum wants to put them into to figure out how to give them the tools to live one foot in the matrix and one foot out of the matrix and so i said you know i've got to have a conversation with magdalene we might as well make it uh an episode and so that's what we did and folks we talked about everything from her areas of interest to what conservatism means to her to what's really going on behind the scenes to the grifters to someone like herself that has decided to carve out sort of an independent career she's in various areas from politics to homeschooling uh, what she's planning on doing when she's done with college and uh, I learned so much, folks, because I'm 41. I don't pay attention to TikTok. I'm not on there trolling Instagram. And so the next thing I know, I find out all sorts of information from her about what these younger people are doing, why there aren't people willing to be waiters anymore, to work in the service industry anymore, why these companies are having such a hard time finding employees and as I am aware of, which is gig work, and I've explained that to you on 
on this show, there's also a whole movement of younger people who think that their career is going to be an influencer on Instagram or on TikTok. And so a lot of those people are never going to work in the service industry. Although, as we discuss on this interview, they're going to get stuck in a trap, folks, because just like the gig workers, they're not really building a business. As she said, they may be picking up some skills. They may be able to work in social media or as micro video editors and stuff like that. But in reality, when they're 21, 22, 23, if the big technocrats, the same people that own the gig platforms, who own the social media platforms, cut them off, where are they going to go? She also talks about how young folks, even in the conservative movement, are not interested in buying homes. They're sort of shying away from the idea of living in the suburbs. The good news is that many of them want to get land out in rural areas with fixer-upper houses or be able to build their own homestead. She did say there's some influencers, not huge, that are on social media that are talking about canning and jarring. These are young folks uh, making sort of these uh, sort of pilgrim dresses. So there's a lot of fascinating stuff that I I picked up from this and we get into peter thiel transhumanism technocracy and then also talk about what her vision for the future is i ask a question if you're going to go the political route does anyone in the so-called conservative movement have a five-year a 10-year a 15-year plan is there a business plan what are they trying to do with america where are they trying to move it? and as she admits someone who's heavily involved with this there is no plan no one has a plan So I'm telling you, folks, stick with this interview because you are going to learn a lot from someone inside the younger conservative movement and uh, what conservatism really actually means today. I'm confused. I have no idea what it means anymore. So uh, listen to this interview, go down into the description, you can get the links to follow Magdalene Rose, she is a good friend of Maria Albanese, many of you love Maria, so you will love Magdalene Rose. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard, right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, you asked for it. Many of you have been excited about this guest. We are here with Magdalene Rose. She is currently a college junior pursuing a degree in interdisciplinary studies in theology at a Catholic university in the United States. She is currently a host of the Magdalene rose report on the mcfiles network magdalene it is wonderful to speak to you it's been a few years how have you been uh, doing lately i'm good thank you so much for having me on oh it's great to have you here so 
Um, why don't you explain to the audience a little bit more about what you do, how you got started, and uh, what you're focusing on now, and then we'll go into an in-depth conversation about uh, your outreach to young right-leaning conservatives here in the United States. Sure. So I'm almost 23 and I got started in politics right when I turned 18. And the way that I got started in politics was if you remember the Parkland shooting happened. And from that, we got this whole crop of left wing activists of David Hogg and Emma Gonzalez and even more that didn't really hit the mainstream news, but were doing a lot of grassroots work. And I saw this and I had just graduated high school and I kept waiting for there to be a conservative response from the youth wing of the GOP and the conservative movement. And it just didn't happen. And I reached out to a lot of my what you would call young conservative leaders on the national stage and a local stage, and they just didn't respond. And the ones that did basically said, well, this will go away. And it didn't. And David Hogg led boycotts of TV shows and they got legislation changed and they did, you know, lions at grocery stores. And there just was no conservative response. So I started making videos about that and about other topics. And from that, I really learned that we had a massive gap in youth leadership, not even just in the political aspect of the GOP and everything, but we have a massive gap in youth leadership in the conservative movement in America. And from that, my work is centered around trying to fix that in in different ways and through different apparatuses that will hit many different types of young conservatives throughout the country. Yeah, so let me ask you, that's really interesting. When I got involved with politics, I was in my mid-20s. I had gotten involved with an issue in New Haven, Connecticut, where there was a mayor there, uh, 20-year entrenched Democrat mayor, and he was trying to become the first in the nation mayor to introduce ID cards for illegal aliens. And so I used to listen to a lot of talk radio and local conservative talk radio, and that is how I got involved with the issue. And then in my mid-20s, I was still sort of young. You're approaching this age. But uh, also in my heart, I started to feel older. And then I started to realize in Connecticut that there was no outreach from the Republicans or from the conservatives to young folks at all. In fact, when I showed up at Republican committee meetings, and I used to go to them all around the different counties we were working in. It was almost that I was being pushed away. They didn't want new ideas. And at that time, I was really focused on watching what Barack Obama was doing, the new color schemes they were using, the new graphics, the beginning of utilizing memes. And so I would try to bring this to the Republicans. I had also studied Saul Linsky and Rules for Radicals, and I said, listen, if you want to make inroads at all, you're going to have to adapt some of these new marketing techniques and it's almost like they don't want to uh, have you experienced that over the last five six years you've been involved with uh, politics yeah definitely when i first started in politics and i was 18 one of the biggest learning curves i had was that we are not all on the same team and i as somebody who's a very young conservative always been a conservative i didn't have one of those realize the gop realize the conservatives rather right about everything and i'm not a leftist moments i've just always been a conservative so i didn't realize that we weren't all on the same team and i would be accused of punching right when i would call somebody out and it's kind of like you're not punching right you're punching for the right because a lot of people on the right are lying and they're grifters. So the grifting aspect has really been the main cause, I believe, of us not having good branding, of us not having good marketing for young people and just not having great youth leaders. The grifters have such a death hold 
on the senior leaders of the GOP and the conservative movement, and even the, the evangelical community as well. It's very difficult to get new ideas in because of that. Yeah, and I definitely think that uh, your entrance into politics and conservative media in 2018, you see how much it's even shifted in the last four years. And sort of the deeper you go into this, a lot of the content I cover on this show has to do with technology, the technocracy, you know, the transhumanist movement, which we can talk about a little later as we talk about the pro-life movement. But the deeper you get into these subjects, you always find these wizards of Oz behind the curtain. You always find these grifters. It's it's sad because in this country, this idea of even being able to live the American dream and starting a company in your garage. I live in Frederick, Maryland now, which is just 95% of the people here either work for the government or work for a government contractor or for a company that's floated by government money. And so you realize both in the political side and in sort of this private sector side that it's very difficult to make it. And almost everyone appears to be some sort of a puppet some grifter some leech or they're backed by the government or they're backed by some shady organization so you're starting to see that in the so-called conservative movement yeah it's definitely there i mean i think i'm a lot more aware of it than other young conservatives would be there is a real aspect of how do you get advancement in the young conservative movement and this is something i'm very sympathetic to for a lot of young conservatives who fall into this corporate area of it it's very difficult to advance in the young conservative movement if you are not backed by someone large and by that i don't mean a specific person you don't all have to be backed by a benefactor but if you're not backed by the leadership institute or turning point if you're not backed by any of those organizations it's very hard to do i i don't mean this in a prideful way but what I did was very much outside the norm and outside the mold of what other young conservatives did. I went for independent positions. I created my own show. So there, there was a way for me to navigate away, but it took five years. And for me, that was fine because I didn't. Ha- I don't have a goal of being a politician. I don't need to make a checklist and check off the boxes. But it did take five years. So if you don't have the patience to do that and you don't have the ability to navigate it, what's going to happen is you're going to fall in with the grifters. And I think that's very sad. And it's one of the reasons why we're so stagnant right now. I've been doing it for 15 years. So it's interesting. It's a much uh, more difficult path. At the same time, I always always tell people, if you want to go down the path of joining sort of the darkness or you want to make your career into serving other people's secret agendas, you know, it's also difficult to do that as well. If you went and knocked on their door right now and said, okay, I'm willing to give in, I'll join you. It's not that easy either because you're already marked as someone who speaks your mind and tries to tell the truth. I mean, 15 years ago, Leadership Institute uh, tried to recruit me as well through a benefactor at the time who has since passed away, and they were trying to dangle a lot of money in front of me to go and uh, promote their concepts and train people around the country. It was pre-turning point. And so I did my research back then, and that's kind of what got me interested in Uh, eugenics because this guy who was claiming to be fighting illegal immigration and pushing border security was also a big major benefactor behind eugenics i'm like well what's this and then realized no way i'm not going to work for this guy so let me ask you this how how do 
like first off just from your own personal standpoint how do you define conservatism today because i think over the last 25 years the definitions have sort of changed and then especially since 2015-16 when donald trump was running for president i think conservatism is it's so hard to define now so how do you define it well, I would say that for conservatism now, I am somebody that applies litmus tests to candidates. So I would say for conservatism, it's being pro-life. It's being for a capitalist system. And that sounds very basic, but we're at a point where a lot of conservatives would be okay with some socialist economic policies. So it's that it's having isolationist foreign policy where we are not interventionists around the world. It's creating a system where we maintain the social fabric of the country by not allowing for massive ideological input in our schools from people who are pushing a left-wing ideology. It's these really basic tenets. It's almost like real common sense. But now we're at a point where if I say we shouldn't have massive left-wing ideological input in a kindergarten classroom, I'm a bigot. So it really is these basic tenets of common sense. And there's also this other part of there. We, if you're a conservative and you're defining conservatism, it should be a place where people, no matter where they come from, and I mean this in the sense of if they come from political royalty or nothing, there should be advancement for them. And that's something we're really missing in the current conservative layout in this country. Now, do you think we're missing it because of what we just talked about, because these grifters are involved? And so people understand what happens is you get various sort of uh, puppeteers behind the scenes that then go and promote what we would call influencers or certain, you know, supposed independent podcast hosts, and they get elevated to the top, like Charlie Kirk, I would say. I can say this. You don't have to put names on these people. But, for instance, these kind of people that get elevated, and they almost are being set up just as replacements for former uh, talk radio show hosts, former podcasters, they basically set them up, get them ready, line them up, and then move them into those positions. Is that kind of how you're seeing it work from the inside? Yeah, it, that is how it works. And I took a lot of a lot of stuff in from, um, I would say, from 2018, really, until the, the end of 2020, 2018 to the end of 2020, because I was saying, we are in a situation where the people, the young people you think are going to save the day are dooming us. And there was quite a lot of pushback. People in the conservative world, conservative adults would call me horrible names. They would say that I was a traitor, that I was a leftist plant. This is what went on. So there was a call culture of fear around saying something like the leader you see on Fox News isn't doing anything but being on Fox News. And I think it did get into an area of being very cultish, because if you can't say we lost the youth vote by over 30 points and we have no plan to get it back after the 2018 midterms, if you can't say that for fear of pushback from the people who are on Fox News, that to me is a cultish system and it, it really dooms the growth of the conservative movement by and large. Yeah, I think right here inside of uh, pain.tv slash gold, even before I was part of the platform, Maria Albanese, who's the co-host of Thomas Paine Podcast on Fridays, and Mike Moore, the host of the Thomas Paine Podcast, there were plenty of text conversations, uh, some of which I was part of, some that I was not, going into the 2020 elections, where, you know, Maria and Mike had made decisions not to even criticize uh, President Trump on a lot of the lies, you know, because 
because they were afraid there was going to be major pushback. They were going to get labeled as leftist. People were going to be calling them out because they were telling the truth. And at the same time, it was like, okay, well, it's between Trump and Biden. So we're just going to bite our tongue until after the election happens. So we don't get blamed if Trump loses. And so it's sad that you see that happen because the whole point of independent media, especially from the right, is we're supposed to be holding these people's feet to the fire after we get them elected. I mean, if we don't hold their feet to the fire on the promises they made, then who's really going to do it? So you just elect them and then they get to run free and join in with the left and big government and throw everything that they ran on aside? Yeah, you do. And and what really was the problem with that was in 2020, I was on another podcast and I remember saying to the podcast host, Trump's campaign is like a Seinfeld episode. It's really not about anything. And there was, we were not allowed to say that. And when I said it, the podcast host was like, yeah, no, that's true. I don't actually know what he's running on. I know what he personally believes. I know about trade and abortion economics, but his campaign was about nothing. And I, at that point, just didn't care anymore. And I was saying that we're in trouble. This isn't going well. Brad Parscale is going to doom us. This digital infrastructure, the Trump campaign spent tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on has delivered nothing. I was saying that and I was right about it. And we got to a point after the 2020 election when people, I think, were at least honest about the level of incompetence on his team, where when you look at Trump's senior advisors, I mean, it's mainly his family. And I'm sure Laura Trump is a lovely person. But why was she in a senior strategic communications role? And that was something a lot of conservatives were almost self-prohibiting themselves from saying because we knew how bad it would be. And that's a really toxic culture when you're trying to keep the country. Yeah, well, and now you have Jared Kushner, who was arguably the most powerful senior advisor inside of the White House, who a month ago came out on a podcast with Richard Grinnell and essentially said that he's a transhumanist, that he believes he'll be the last generation to die or the first generation to live forever. I mean, just openly said this, and you say to yourself, well, a lot of the things that went on inside the White House seem to make sense now. Uh, I mean, I never liked Jared Kushner. I always spoke out against Jared Kushner. Uh, being in the White House or part of the campaign. But but let me ask you this. So now, how do you see, because your eye is more on the politics that are going on, you're working as a social uh, media director for Republicans for National Renewal. Um, How do you see, like, what are the different factions inside the so-called conservative movement now? Because back, you know, go 15 years ago or even right before Trump, you basically had people that identified as Republicans. You had people that said, well, I'm conservative and this is what the Republican Party needs to be. And then you had outliers that called themselves maybe patriots or libertarians. And they were like, no, we're about super small government. So I think people could define themselves easier back then. What are the different different factions inside this movement now is there a movement is it organized at all or is it just all piecemeal right now there is a movement i don't think it's as organized as it has been in the past i would say that the major factions you of course have the neocons but the issue for the neocons is that trump isn't president anymore so their boogeyman is sort of taken out of power they don't really have a great thing to push back on anymore but they still exist they're still there and then you have the super MAGA people and when i say super MAGA people i don't mean people super ideological in their beliefs about you know having a strong conservative country i mean people who are just about trump and that can be a bit frustrating because you're you're trying to tell them the way that things didn't work out in 2020 with specific strategies and positions and they just don't hear it so you're the super MAGA people then you have this hard 
harder nationalist right wing group of people. And that involves a lot of young people in the conservative movement. And they are frustrated and they're looking towards the future and they want hardcore candidates. They want people like Josh Hawley, who is championing what they want on a very national stage. And then you have those suburban Republican voters who just want there to be peace again. And then there's also this other tiny group of people who want a real new idea of what Republicanism is. And those people are growing. I think that they will, if they they would eventually vote for someone like Ron DeSantis, but I wouldn't be surprised if they put a big candidate forward in the next primary for the GOP.